It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. We are down in Stanford uh, as uh, kind of an addition to the uh, previous episodes that are coming out right now uh, that we talked about uh, at the UConn um, uh, TIP program that's down here in Stanford. And what's interesting about uh, these uh, podcasts is that we are talking to kind of a collection of people that are doing things. And it's not just one group or one university or, or so forth that are doing these things. Um, and today we get to sit down with the executive director of Stanford Next, Wes Bemis. How are you doing, Wes? Hey, good morning. Or afternoon, yeah, or whatever time well, it is. Exactly. It's, it's one of the daylight savings, right? It's, yeah. It's, that's all we have to blame it's it dark. on. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, so we're down here in Stanford, and we're learning a little bit about what's kind of happening with the innovation ecosystem. So, uh, so Wes, if you uh, can just introduce yourself and what Stanford Next is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, Stanford Next is, as I guess your listeners have heard, uh, one of the four innovation places that uh, was kind of designated around Connecticut uh, five years ago, uh, Stanford, Hartford, New Haven, and New London. And our whole reason for being is to, to make grants at the community level towards projects or programs that make it more fruitful to be an entrepreneur and to make the entrepreneurial ecosystem a little deeper, a little broader, a little more a little more cozy and comfy and, and home for the entrepreneurs that are here and trying to make them feel 
as connected and included in Connecticut and our cities as possible. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting is that the innovation places to me, you know, being, uh, so I don't, I'm going to get into, are you, are you, first off, are you from Connecticut? I grew up in Wilton. I okay. went to high school in Stanford. I, I did spend six years uh, in Rhode Island, so hold that against me, but uh, came back here right after graduation from grad school and, uh, you know, worked in, worked in Greenwich at a, uh, at an engineering firm and found my way into, into, into Stanford Next. So I'm, about as, I, about as die hard as it I'll comes. Say, yeah, I'll say, I'll say born <laughs> and raised, right? That, that, that's fair enough, right? Yeah. You went to, you, you left for a few years, that's fine. Again, we won't hold that against you. But it's like uh, one of those things where Connecticut necessarily wasn't, uh, like, when I was growing up, didn't really come come off as like an entrepreneurial place to be about startups, really kind of innovation. And so I graduated from CCSU in, in uh, um, 2010. And I would say over the past 10 years, it's, it's obviously the ecosystem has been getting more robust and, and kind of growing. And innovation places almost like the uh, uh, kind of like uh, it coming out to the mainstream in Connecticut because it's a big economic development program. You're hearing it more and more, and it's actually seemingly to bringing more industries into the innovation ecosystem, right? Yeah, ten you know, ten years ago, twenty years ago, Connecticut was where our dads and our moms went to work at a headquarters, and it was you know it was where you came after you'd kind of worked your way up through the chain of. GE or uh, or UPS way back right and 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 if you made it you moved to Connecticut and and that was kind of where it was comfortable and 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 a good place to kind of live out the maybe not the twilight years but the comfy years of your career and uh, and and you know there certainly is that element of that still but those people all had kids and those kids are all you know creative and thoughtful and and are trying to do something for themselves because that old path doesn't work and isn't appealing anymore and and those kids grew up with enough of a knowledge about what an awesome place this is that that they're choosing to make it the home of their startups and their and their new companies because of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I would, I would agree with you. We don't want to have that lifestyle, right? We uh, It's okay if we have a, a few different careers within our career, right? It's not on the same trajectory. We're okay switching. Like, uh, uh, we, we understand uh, switching costs or not switching costs, basically, like not, you know, like not going after something. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it seems like we've been in a few different revolutions already or, you know, kind of uh, Web 1.0, Web, Web 2, and now almost Web 3, you know, kind of coming on. Um, but uh, also one of the things about us is that, right, we want uh, a place to be, uh, like, w we want to seem like at home, but also like that cool things are happening. Because a lot of people are like, there's nothing to happen in, in Connecticut, this and that. But at the end of the day, it's a decent place where you can go to Boston, New York, whatever, right? Or, s or stay here. Yeah, you know, yeah, stay here, yeah. yeah. You know, you can have uh, what what totally blew my mind when I, because I, I left Stanford in 2010 to go to, to go to college. And, you know, during that time is kind of we all do, you know, discover the, the wonders of, or the fun of just kind of going out and, and going to dinner and meeting up with some friends and having some cocktails and coming back from that, discovering that it, had kind of blossomed in Stanford in the five years previously was like, okay, this is not just a stop on Metro North. This is, there are people who are living here who are building here and I kind of want to live here and build here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I was, you know, when I was just working out of, out of grad school, it was, you know, I'm, what, I'm 24 and, and trying to, you know, trying to be a young person in a city and suddenly it was like, oh no, it's Stanford. Stanford's a cool spot. And but then, five minutes from downtown, you have tree-lined streets, and you can be on the beach, and so that's pretty cool too. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and part of the, and again, what you're kind of helping kind of coordinate and run and manage down here in Stanford right now is the idea of creating an, innova an innovation place, right? Like that's the, it's in the grant proposal, it's in, you know, it's the name of the program, <laughs> right? And the yeah. whole idea of it is actually to create places where people want to hang out, like can see themselves living and working. And again, I kind of mentioned like the New York and, and, and Boston a lot because it allows us to dip our toes in and out. A lot of the people that are like want to live in Connecticut and kind of want to work in this ecosystem, we know we can access those other bigger innovation ecosystems and actually leverage them to say, hey, listen, we have these smaller hubs and we can interact with you on different levels, right? Because I mean, you, I mean, I know Hartford's doing that. Uh, is that happening here in Stanford? Are you like tapping into other ecosystems, maybe like outside of Connecticut that you're? you're uh, and and more and more as we've kind of gone from the you know, to your point of, you know, making this a nice place to be, you know, we started with uh, some placemaking projects and some, some real kind of street level art or parks or uh, amenities. And, and, and what we've really found is that while that was good, it, it, it's, it's far more impactful to do tap, to, to tap into those ecosystems. Uh, I've been, I've been in and out of both the Boston and the New York ecosystem. Uh, a great example of that would be that, uh, and I suppose we're making news here, um, my board of directors uh, just uh, this month voted to bring a uh, bring a prototyping firm down from Boston that came out of and grew out of that ecosystem, and they've helped you know a couple hundred startups uh, with a with a 75% success rate of those startups lasting a long time. Uh, Forge uh, is the name of the organization, and they're they're going to expand into Connecticut, starting in Stanford, but to to serve Stanford startups, but also work with manufacturers all around Connecticut so that those startups can get their first foot in the door of a supply chain and making the first 10 or 15 widgets that they need to either show to investors or do very early stage commercialization and then build that production long term here in the state. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have that kind of core competency here in Connecticut. It was something that sort of Boston just sort of built up out of scale and size, and it's something that we're able to see work for them and bring in here and, and make as an asset for our, our startups and our innovators. So to that, in that regard, it's, it's incredibly valuable to be sandwiched in between those cities because we can pick and choose and, and decide what works best for us rather than needing to create everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just a white sheet of paper for us anymore. Yeah, and it's like the, I mean, people still need to make prototypes, the hardware, there's a lot of hardware, even, you know, we live in, you know, software is eating the world, but <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of, uh, like, hardware type businesses that can be built, right? And mm -hmm. and I know it from, from my business, I know we had a few different different rounds of prototyping and, and kind of selling uh, initial MVPs or MSPs at this point, right, minimal saleable products, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, which is, I think that's kind of like wha uh, a partnership with Forge is similar to that, like, we you can almost get to a point where you can have saleable product for uh, before you have the full manufacturing capabilities, right? And you go yeah. through that process, so. Yeah, and, and you know, I love, there's nothing more invigorating or recharging than walking into a, a fully built out makerspace and seeing, you know, 20, 20, 30 people all kind of head down working on their thing. And so often that that bridge between the digital and the physical is easy to disregard. But when we're looking at creating you know, algorithms that measure foot traffic in and around a building, right? Those, those algorithms are only as good as the data that you're putting into them, and the data that you're putting into them comes from these devices, comes from these, 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 these products that are totally and utterly customizable, and, and you need that small-scale manufacturing to get to an MSP. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's, uh, that's, uh, the, the interesting part about these innovation places, too, is that Connecticut, at the end of the day, is small enough where we're, you know, we're Silicon Valley, right? We're, we're basically, you know, like, we're, we're, we're the size of some other ecosystems. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing is, is that it's, it's, again, kind of joking about it before, is that I'm from the middle of the state. It's a one- to two-hour drive, depending on where, you know, you are in the state kind of a thing. Um, I was up on the eastern corner, and it's two and a half hours to get here, so that was that. Um, but... Um, uh, we're close enough where you can go and, and kind of interact with those other ecosystems, even within the state. And at the end of the day, like that's, I mean, I, I, I'm liking this because obviously if more people want to come to the state, that's better for us in general. Like I think we're, we, we, we can add a few more people, not too, too many more people, right? We don't want to be, you know, too crazy. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, these innovation places and the programs that you're doing and everything, these partnerships kind of will help another ecosystem at some point. Yeah, and you know, to your point, yes, we are four cities in one state. But if you think about the Bay Area, right? It can take two and a half hours to get from one side of the Bay Area to the other. And there are distinct startup ecosystems within that within that area, but it's all part of a greater whole. And I certainly see Connecticut as having that greater whole element to it. You know, Connecticut Innovations serves the whole state, CT Next serves yep. the whole state. And but then we get into the, you know, the the local idiosyncrasies that almost contribute to the development of the projects themselves mm -hmm. and 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 who's creating what company where is very much a factor of their own geography and having that variety in geography makes us just a more diversified better performing state as a whole mm -hmm. and nobody in uh, I would love it if somebody in Stanford was to come up with say an incredible um, wind turbine technology but I would expect to see that coming out of New London. Yeah. But if we didn't have a New London, I wouldn't have somewhere to expect it to come out of. And that's what makes it wonderful. So I'll drive the two hours to New London because I'm glad that we have that happening here. And you know, maybe the way I drive, it's an hour and a half. But <laughs> <laughs> we know we know the speed traps. Never mind, I, I didn't say that. But um, um, but no, 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 that that is uh, correct. Um, but again, we're down to Stanford, so we can kind of a little focus more more on that now. So I, I did not say in the beginning of this is that we and you might hear a little bit of echo because we're in a beautiful kind of space that has high ceilings and, and wood and everything like that. And we're at the third place uh, at Half Full Brewery, and so this is an example we're sitting here, and we're hopefully we'll be able to sit, sit down with Connor later is that we're in a space where you're kind of um, matching up kind of traditional business. I mean, breweries at this point is a traditional business. I mean, some people don't think of it as a startup. And, and again, I think that the, the word startup maybe kind of doesn't um, kind of really encompass the, like the whole range of businesses that I think the innovation place is trying to prop up, right? Yeah, and it's, and, and it's entrepreneurship in general. I mean, it's, exactly, yeah. And you know, we can get into this. A guy like Connor came out of the, the New York finance industry, decided he wanted to do something more fulfilling with his life, and uh, not that there's anything unfulfilling about the New York <laughs> banking industry, uh, and, and, and kind of sat down here in his home state and, and built this regional brand from nothing, and it's gone from being a, you know, a regional beer brand that is you know, perfectly good beer to you know, he's now looking at creating that, that network between entrepreneurs. And the whole theory behind the third place, which is where we are, is that it is in between that work and home space but that it can be the spiritual home of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in Stanford. And actually, most of the programming that we run with groups of entrepreneurs happens in this building. On, on Thursday mornings, where we're sitting right now is just kind of open co-working for all of the, the tech startups so that they can all have one day where they all work in the same spot and interact with each other. Uh, on last Wednesday night, we had the CEO of, CEO of GE Appliances here 
to do a fireside chat because they've just announced they're going to be building a, a makerspace here in downtown Stanford right around the corner. And so it's, it's really perfect in the sense that uh, you know, it's, it's a multi-use facility and it's a multi-use idea that, that we're kind of taking, taking the formal and making it informal. Mm -hmm. And that's what sort of happens here in Stanford more generally. Yeah. And, I, and again, it's one of those things where I think uh, we've tried to copy a little bit of what's happened to other ecosystems because we have uh, a lot of us over the past 10 years, you know, it's, it, I like to, I can talk in decades now. Okay. So I'm in my thirties. I can talk in decades over the past decade or so. Um, it, people have gone to other ecosystems and seen what's worked. And one of the things about it is actually just interacting on just a informal level and, and being to smash up against somebody or work next to somebody that's working on a completely different project oh what are you working on how do you do how are this and then that sparks something in your head and you bring it to your project and so forth so that is I think um, what people you know first of all economic development programs it, they get a kind of a bad rap sometimes because they go in cycle sometimes they don't work you don't kind of see the, the fruits of the labor kind of a thing and usually it goes to the bigger companies and it is what it is right that's that's the natural kind of state of things and but when it comes to innovation sometimes it's the little things and the little actions that only kind of breed something three or four years down the down the line because mm -hmm. I know I've had interactions with people from 10 years ago 15 years ago that we've had on, on met somewhere here met somewhere there but we haven't uh, uh, a relationship now where we can talk about another project hey, oh I got I got a farm now how can I use your renewable energy kind of you know product how can I use this how can I use that right and so that is um, again I I presume that's what this space the the, the kind of the idea of this space was was all about so and and you know, when you when you come here, uh, and I encourage all of your listeners, you know, every Thursday morning here in Stanford, come by. Uh, let me buy you a cup of coffee for free. Um, but you sit and you see, just to your point, people with two completely disparate tech startups. They'll spend three hours coding on their laptops, and the most valuable five minutes of their day will be the five minutes when they talk to the guy next to them who was working on something that, that they had no idea. and to your point on economic development, it is so, and reg regularly people will say, well, how do you measure success in innovation places? Because it's hard to, to put a number on those conversations, those five minutes, because you could have a million of those five minutes and only one of them is gonna be the thing that spawns a unicorn, mm -hmm. theoretically, right? Um, and it's, it's not an act of faith it's an act of kind of belief and understanding that, that, that when we, you know, we look around the world and we see what people want to be doing and what inter interesting people do and, and how they want to spend their time and who they want to spend their time with, that you just need to create those preconditions and, and, and operate on, on trust and belief that, that something is going to happen when you get that witch's brew going and you stir it and eventually you know, something with four eyes comes out. Except yeah. that four eyes thing is a unicorn. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it is. It is that, but it's it's just it's just about learning and experimentation. That that's the big thing from the startup world, right? You know, kind of uh, business right now is that you have to take a hypothesis and you have to experiment and you have to kind of test against that hypothesis. I think people are going to buy my product as an X Y Z, right? We'll go test it. And the same thing is with economic development, which again, which is I guess the 
the thing that um, it just intrigues me. So obviously, you know, like I, I not obviously, but I think a lot of people are, are intrigued with politics and kind of like how the world works and this and that. And like when you start growing up, you get to actually be involved with some, you know, kind of organizations. Well, whether it be a nonprofit or a group that's trying to push a public policy or again, in, in involved in the economic development program on as a business, right? Because you're like, wow, I do want to help my community. I do want to interact. I do like I see the, the mutual beneficial kind of interaction that we could have, right? And so it, it's like, I, I definitely understand, like, from the taxpayer point of view, is that it has to be, we have to have metrics, right? How many more businesses? How much more revenue? It's not that easy. Um, and luckily, I think CT Next uh, and, and um, you know, kind of CI as well has been, have been able to kind of allow the Stanford Next and the Launch Hartfords and the, uh, and the New Haven and the um, other uh, or, um, cities to experiment, right? And see what's worked because there have been failures uh, across the board in every city and, and it's okay. It's just uh, you have to learn from it and you move on, understand why it didn't work because not every city, every city does have a different kind of personality and a little bit of culture and, and also they have the different linchpins in the community. You, 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 I bet you could, you could say that you, there's probably 50 to 100 people in Stanford that probably are moving the needle a little bit each day, right? They're, they're a little bit more each day where, again, over a year or a year and a half, two years, three years, five, it really makes a difference, right? Yeah, and, and on your point of, you know, testing and, and seeing what works and what doesn't, the, the time horizon for that, particularly since I, you know, I've been in this role for two years and, and I'm already seeing that, that my time horizon needs to be longer, you know, I, 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 that, that there were things that uh, the precursor to Stanford Next, Innovate Stanford, did or invested in that, that I, you know, I, I would never use the word failure, but that just didn't feel like they fit the moment, right? And March 2020, we flip a switch and suddenly <laughs> things like placemaking in downtown Stanford started reaping huge benefits because you're a, you're a young professional, you're cooped up in a, in a 400 square foot studio in New York working on your coding company. You come out and visit your friend at Stanford and there are parks and there are trees and there are events and there are, you know, there's public art on the sidewalks and, and, and those investments in placemaking three, four years ago, well, you know, why would we do that? And, 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 and even now, we're learning that things that have been done and will be doing in the future may not show up for five years. And it may take a pandemic or, God hoping, not another pandemic, but it may take some sort of, you know, change in how we think that's going to show the benefits of that. And, uh, and certainly, I think it's all about, you know, pre pre-positioning yourself for good things to happen to mm -hmm. you. So obviously, you know, like we're we're still in the pandemic kind of uh, hangover. You know, we're kind of coming out of it, or, or whatever we want to want to say. And like things are getting back to, we're having events. Obviously, I mean, we're in here having uh, first, you know, in-person podcasting after a while, right? Um, at least for me. Um, and so, um, it's one of those things where every single city had to pivot and try to say like how how is my vision changing uh, what are the things i'm doubling down on so like what happened with stanford next i mean uh, you uh, clearly you came on as a transition from innovate stanford right to, to stanford next and so what is like with the pandemic you know kind of with the chaos that happened what did you double down on what did you kind of scrap and say that i don't think that that thesis works anymore or you know it doesn't we, we don't want to go down that route anymore yeah, um, the pandemic certainly kind of sharpened everything up for us. Uh, I started two years ago, and we opened our first RFP uh, in January, so three months in, 
and I was kind of still still picking up, finding the pencils, all of that sort of thing. And we had 50 submissions worth about $10 million for a $2 million budget. And Sounds the, about right. the, <laughs> the breadth <laughs> and, and, and width and depth of everything that came to us, and then they were all just fantastic ideas by really, really, really passionate people, was so overwhelming that after we tried to, to, to piece together a cogent strategy out of it, we kind of realized that, that there is some element of needing to, to kind of pick your way through and, and, and chart a little bit of a course beforehand so that you can, you can really work from a strategy. And we, had, uh, we wound up with taking 11 projects out of that and there, you know, for the first time, and I'm, I'm totally fine to admit it, I, I was still, you know, I was not able to, to piece a good strategy together out of it. Um, but there was, there, was, there was something in there, and it was this focus on artificial intelligence that was just roaring in the background at the time, and I didn't see it, um, that, that kind of came out of it, and it was, and it was like, okay, let's, let's really look at what this could mean for the startup ecosystem in the city. And that summer, that pandemic summer, we spent the whole summer essentially behind masks but going around to all the entrepreneurs and all of the founders here in the city and, and talking to them about their companies and their industries. And this focus on data science kept coming up. And so, you know, while I'd love to say that there's some sort of, <laughs> you know, grand master plan that, that I dream, dreamt up in my shower, it was really from talking to entrepreneurs and, and listening to what they were working on and what they were excited about. And, and we were lucky enough to find while doing that a partner in the University of Connecticut, uh, the Technology Commercialization Services, and they have been running for the last, I guess a decade, up in mm -hmm. Farmington, yep. just the most incredible incubator. And I was lucky enough to get up there during the pandemic, uh, during lockdown behind a mask, and just see the space, and see the fact that they had brought in $250 million in private investment in their companies in that incubator just in the previous 12 months. and the the excitement that the companies there had and the reverence that they held for the people kind of running this incubator. So when they said, hey, we'd like to do something similar in Stanford, uh, and we talked about it, we both kind of arrived at it from either side on, let's work on data science. We think that there's something here there's that 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 data is the new oil and we wanna, you know, we wanna help the guys who are making the the best oil wells, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. and and we we engaged in with them in a in a two and a half two two and a half year agreement to to really put some some capital behind this and 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 make a big shot at it because we're looking at this as transformational in terms of an industry point of view here in Stanford so that it's not so that our industry is not headquarters our industry is you know ideas and data and information and how to best work with that data because that's what spawns new companies and new headquarters you know you don't have to run around and recruit companies from other states, you have them right here. And, and so that strategy is what we kind of as a board and as an organization said, let's, let's try this and, and, let's, and let's take a year and really, really put our, put, our, put our backs into this. And we went to the CT Next board and they agreed. And so we went from having one RFP that was gonna generate 50 submissions to uh, two RFPs, and one of them being uh, on artificial intelligence and data science and just making a hub here. And that spawned five projects. 
but the those five projects were all far more intertwined and intermingled and 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 beneficial towards one another than any of the 11 from the previous time period could have ever been mm -hmm. and and the the return on investment that we would get from the money that we put into those projects was so much higher so you know when we our, our idea and our strategy here um, was really driven by those entrepreneurs and what we could how we could help them best and they were who suggested all of the ideas that kind of go around that to us and we're, we're really indebted to them because Stanford has just such that um, that thoughtful community of people who have opinions and are not shy about sharing them and that's what helps us make better decisions mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, one of the big things about an innovation ecosystem is that it's you have to bring on the players that are kind of um, the, the big enough players that can sustain the ups and downs a little bit and, and kind of can weather some of the storms. Um, it's very interesting. I mean, so uh, part of this kind of series, we did talk to Mustafa and Margaret about TIP. Um, it's been interesting to see TIP over the years. Uh, I've had multiple different companies on our program that went through TIP. Uh, we, we did a, um, they've had like a, a kind of accelerator, which did a little round table at some of their companies. Lambda Lambda Division, I know, has done a, a great job uh, even after the, uh, our podcast. I'm not going to say that we helped, you know, helped uh, get the word out or anything, but, uh, you know, maybe reached a few people. Um, but it's one of those things where part of these ecosystems is that, again, connecting with the um, institutions or the, the kind of the, the bigger players that um, also you know, you talk about the intertwining of the five projects. So I want to get to the five projects of what they are and, and kind of uh, go over that. But like UConn and TIP, they have academics that have done the research, have, could have stuff that can create IP or they did create IP that they don't know how to commercialize. And there's so a lot of entrepreneurs, people that are like, wow, I'm not the inventor, but I know how to, I know how to make that happen, right? I, I can bring that to market and, and so forth. So that is uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes, you know, there is this IP just sitting places, just waiting to be un un unleashed, but you need to give it a mechanism or uh, an environment or, you know, something to happen, which again, a part of why this whole Innovation Places kind of project is was spawned, you know? So um, so what are the five projects? So we know we have the Data Science Center uh, with TIP, like, so I know, understand the Data Science Center and TIP are a little bit different, right? Yeah, and, and, so. and I kind of like to think of it as one, one larger, um, one larger, uh, initiative, and that's and that's what the folks at UConn refer to it as, is the Stanford Data Science Initiative. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously TIP, and that is uh, the Technology Incubation Program. There, uh, the I think they're branding it now as TIP Digital, and sort of encompasses all of the the digital data science elements of of what they're working on there, because data science is so cross cutting across every industry. Um, within that there is a uh, a smaller co-op type program being run by the worth institute uh, and that co-op program brings a, a group of i think it's eight students down from stores to stanford for a year and what they work on in that program is they get matched up with a startup company working on an area in data science and faculty and or business advisors who treat them as project and product managers within that startup, and they spend the year creating products alongside that startup, working in a startup environment to become better uh, members of the startup community and getting the kind of education of working in a startup that you don't get from a traditional business or, or entrepreneurship type um, environment. And so that's, uh, that's super exciting. On top of that, uh, and this is internal to the Yukon initiative, uh, there's, a, there's a group 
of five uh, research faculty being hired by UConn to live and work and operate out of the Stanford campus to support the entrepreneurs and the founders within the incubator, but also the students in the co-op. And the idea there being that not only are the founders creating cutting edge technology and cutting edge companies here in Stanford, but they're being backed up and benefiting from cutting edge research being done almost on their behalf by new UConn research faculty and that the two will be synergistic with each other. So those are kind of two of the five that are, that are internal to UConn. I'll count the tip incubator as, um, as, as one. On top of that, we have obviously the forge operation coming mm -hmm. down and that was suggested to us by a member of the tip incubator and uh, I used the example of the foot traffic stats earlier. That was, that was who brought us that and, and, and his whole thing was that he has this algorithm, he has this technology and he wanted and he was having a hard time, he was looking to Kansas to try and manufacture it. And when we all kind of, he and I talked and we did the kind of the survey, we found the Forge folks and we, we've engaged them and brought them down. Uh, beyond that, you know, working in the incubator is fine, doing all of that is, but, but what do you do and who do you talk to when you're not at work anymore? And, and there's that, that missing social element of it that says, you know, we're all human beings and part of an ecosystem is, is the kind of the, the living and the life of it. And, and so, although I'm maybe not the best party planner in the world, we had uh, the people behind Stanford Innovation Week actually organize a, uh, what we're calling Tech Hub, um, but, it, but it's kind of broader than that. But the idea is that it's essentially regular programming and just the opportunity to get a beer with mm -hmm. somebody else that's working in the same area or do that co-working and that all of it all of it kind of works together so that we're hitting you at every part of your experience within the ecosystem here. And, and so you don't feel alone or you don't feel isolated and, and you feel like you're part of something bigger within Stanford because it is a big city and it can be kind of hard to find your way. And it can be isolating to be a startup founder because you choose to spend your time working on your company or working on yourself. And wouldn't it be nice to have, have it be a little bit easier to work on yourself and, and, and work on your, your engagement in the community. So, so those are the kind of the five pillars that we have for this, um, this data science initiative down here. But I also wanna take it in more places, you know, and, and when you think about hitting people in every part of their life cycle of their company, it's, you know, well, what else do they need? And, and we have groups that we're talking with about potentially doing, you know, um, large-scale app development training because part of you know many people's minimum viable product is having an app that interacts with their um, that interacts with their 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 invention. So we're so we're dealing with that. Um, I've been talking with um, groups about bringing in whether they want to do a speaker series, whether they want to do you know whatever it is whatever they feel that they need, whatever will help them, we want to create for them here, for everything in their life cycle. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, I mean, networking in general, like, you know, business networking, that, that, that's a crucial piece of the, the puzzle. And I think that, um, I, I know for me, like networking got a bad rap, because like, it was like the same thing, it wasn't the, it wasn't kind of focused on um, a, a certain kind of area, or it wasn't kind of intriguing anymore, because it was just going to meet people, right? One of the interesting things about this, and I don't know if this ha it's ha kind of happening with some of the programming that uh, um, uh, John Winkle's doing with Stanford Innovation Week, is that 
is like a lot of the gatherings now are a little bit more focused on a certain topic or a certain industry or something, you know, it's just like intriguing me a little bit different ways. And, and, and again, I think for me as just an entrepreneur that wants to learn a little bit about everything, right, to know that your guys are about data science, you know, kind of like and, and a little bit of fintech, right, you know, kind of in this in this area, um, but then bioscience and insure tech and, and the different areas. So you kind of get a different types of entrepreneurship, different types of how to build startups. Um, because there's different ways of going about it, right? Because I know, like, for instance, with InsureTech is actually working within the companies to understand the contracts of actually doing a pilot with one of these big organizations, right? Like, that's a whole other kind of idea versus, again, down here, being able to take uh, some sort of um, data metric and putting it against a, a hardware product or something like that. I mean, Wave uh, Aerospace and what they're doing and, and, and everything like that. So it's like using that data to build a new type of drone, you know? Yeah. So. Um, it, it, that, that's been interesting. So I guess, do you, do you have any specific uh, events that are like kind of towards, you know, kind of your, your um, um, data science specialty or, or anything like that? Um, well, so everything that the Tech Hub does is really focused on that, on that data science group. And the reason that we feel confident about that is, as you were just sort of saying, it's so cross-cutting, you know, and, and not, to, not to belabor the point, but, you know, you mentioned data science or bio, bioscience, and then I point at, I point at uh, Semaphore and I say it's both, yeah. and 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 so uh, the idea of and so and and, and we're tech trying too. to ensure tech two is all about yeah, data and, and right. you kind it, of those they're and, numbers you know <laughs> and it, and and you know some people have referred to it as the fourth industrial revolution we don't need to get into that suffice to say that it is big with, with that plus Web three plus that you know every yeah. other revolution um, so yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's all about kind of putting together what people want on that front, and and so, you know, I'm looking forward to we're we're in final we're hoping that the sorry the there's a there's a new startup in town Tomo Networks, okay. uh, which is using big data to work through the process of, uh, I believe, home closures and financing, and it's a bunch of spinoffs from the Zillow uh, Corporation, and they're working exclusively in data science and. We're working with them to bring them into the fold of the data science community so that our data science people can learn from them. So, so this is one of those spin-offs of the already defunct division of them buying houses? Uh, <laughs> I wish I knew more about their business model to be able to tell you that. But uh, I, my hope is that it's not from the defunct side of the, their business model. Um, alternatively, you know, we have Digital Currency Group who just moved into Stanford and it, they're the they own I want to say three percent of all bitcoins, and you know how do we get maybe the CEO or some leaders there to talk with and work with and just be a part of our data science community because you're going to see, you know, and and blockchain is a form of data science. You're going to see just incredible inventions coming out of that over the next, you know, 10, 15 years, next five years. I mean, you have Eric Adams. New mayor of New York just uh, was it yesterday or two days ago saying that he wanted to take his first three paychecks in Bitcoin because he saw so much uh, potential for innovation. And they just and had NFT uh, NYC and, and everything like that, which yeah. is like that's in a whole other realm. I mean, I will have to say is that I've, I have uh, have dabbled into the world of NFTs since uh, since May. It's been a wild ride. Um, it's been very interesting. Are you up or um, down? I am uh, up uh, pretty wildly, actually, <laughs> um, and and it's pretty, 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 it's it's insane, actually, um, and it's actually the more insane part is that um, 
the community of NFT and Web 3.0, like it's it's very accessible at this point. I mean, you, I mean, the people that have just, I, I've never actually used Twitter. I've been on Twitter from day one. I mean, I've, I've you know, the whole uh, social media thing. I feel like I kind of just like didn't 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 go full deep into it. You know, I, I just didn't 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 want to share everything. And I have a podcast and I put it out, so it's kind of weird because I, I, you know, the amount of hours I've talked on this thing. Um, but uh, the NFT community, I mean, I've I've jumped in full full heartedly, and it's the interesting connection between how web 3.0 and like the the real world are going to be uh kind of connected i mean the the fact that facebook came out with met the metaverse right they want to change i mean everybody it's kind of funny is that i feel like a lot of people are like oh my god because they're getting in heat with the the government and they're going to be broken up they changed to rebrand it they've been thinking about this for years they don't don't think that they just ch oh we're going to go to meta to get out of this whole thing you know they, they've been thinking about this for years and so the fact that that happened um a lot of bigger brands are getting into it um i know um the dot eats i don't know this is like actually new th stuff you, you know how they have like dot eats addresses have you uh, heard about yeah. this yes yeah yeah so that uh you know i own some dot eats addresses and they just airdrop tokens to people just yesterday just just yesterday and those tokens are already worth tens of thousands of dollars. And it's just for owning a, a domain name. And it, I mean, it's, it's you, you, but also that gives me the ability to uh, uh, be a part of a, a DAO that is now governing this body of ETH addresses, which is, which is unbelievable. Like it's like, it's just thinking about like if you could um, govern and you had an access point to govern uh, the dot com or who, I don't even know who, who runs that. Who's that like the, uh, it's uh, it's a, it's actually a super obscure agency, and and it's not terribly sexy or cool, or yeah. for that matter, decentralized it's, or democratized. Yeah, it's exactly. You don't know who it is and everything <laughs> like that. And so, like this is, I actually get to the, actually the whole thing is, uh, I have not claimed my tokens yet, but it's very interesting because the process of actually going in, again, it's the cryptocurrencies on the blockchain. Everybody knows it's all this kind of a thing. Um, and basically, um, you know, I claim it and I, I can delegate my power or my votes to a certain organization, which these big, I mean, Coinbase is a part of it, you know, like A16Z, yeah. Injuries and Horowitz, I mean, some of the, but like, it's very accessible at this point, which is, again, very, and I will, I, it is, there's a couple of cryptocurrency companies in Connecticut that are intriguing and yeah. they're like what they're doing. And, and I, again, uh, the data science behind it, the math behind it and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Well, there, there's a group uh, actually in the tip incubator who are using NFTs uh, and part of your value of owning that NFT is in um, carbon reduction projects, right? And, and so suddenly it opens up the world of, all right, we have this blockchain technology and it's useful for you know, X, Y, and Z, what else can it be useful for? Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of talk about and, and exciting things going on, particularly with what we have going on in the supply chain right now, you know, tracking containers around the world oh, on yeah. the blockchain. How, how absolute, you know, it, you write into the blockchain where and when that container trades hands, so s you can in real time find everything. Fantastic, there are millions of these things around the world, it's great. What if you were to take that sort of technology and put it into voting? You, you, you know, and, and this is just spinning up of what you just discussed. Not only are you voting on the direction of the web, you know, uh, it's not totally crazy to see data science getting to the point where you have a public blockchain version of having elections and, yes. and what that could do and, and how secure that could be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it, it is kind of funny how, how early it's like, so this is, this is one thing where, um, it seems like I feel like everybody's talking about NFTs right now, this and that, but it's like the people who are actually talking about it and understanding what it is and even talk, like Web 3.0. And again, it's been my rabbit hole since May, since I got involved in it and, and everything like that. 
Um, and it's been like, <laughs> again, the, the amount of discords I'm in at this point now is just absurd. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's one of those things that it, it makes you change the way you think about business. Because we've done crowdfunding campaigns. We've done stuff where we've gone out and tried to get our customers to kind of buy a subscription ahead of time, and then we'll give them the product. So it's like that. It just changes the way you look at things, um, and especially just when. It, I mean, we, I will have to say is that we were a benefit corporation. We, you know, some businesses do want to build a scale scalable business that does have social benefit and social good, right? Um, and it just changes the way you think about how to, how to build those. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a rabbit hole I've been fu uh, interested about. I actually am looking to get some people on uh, the podcast to talk about NFT. So I'd love the introductions. I'd, I'd, you know, no, absolutely, there, we can we can sort that out. But but you know, it's and not to belabor the point, I think that I think that the because you know you're a pretty smart tech savvy guy, uh, you've been down. This I, rabbit I wish I was actually that tech savvy, but that's <laughs> fine. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not a build, I'm not a coder, so <gasps> neither am I. I don't have the logic thinking for it. Uh, but you've been going down this rabbit hole since May, mm -hmm. and this is a technology that is going to so utterly influence the kind of world that we're living in, and and part of part of just fostering it is making it accessible to people, making it understandable to people. And, and it's, you know, uh, yes, an NFT of, and I think that when I first heard about this craze, like when we first, first heard about this craze, people were paying tens of thousands of dollars for GIFs of people playing basketball. That was my first interaction yep, with NFTs. NBA, NBA Top Shot or something right. like that. Right, yep. um, and, uh, you know, we could get into whether or not there's actual value behind those now, but, but it was the first kind of, I would say, application of blockchain technology outside of the cryptocurrency world necessarily that 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 made it made it possible to think about this technology as broad based and mm -hmm. and and applicable to many 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 things to a lot of people and maybe nfts are the perfect way to to think about that because suddenly it's something that we don't even it doesn't even have a financial impact it can just be a blockchain version of you own x and suddenly what that means to people around the world can be far, far, mm -hmm. far more valuable. And, and explaining that to them and getting their involvement in that and, and having people buy into it and, and frankly creating companies that benefit from it, I don't think we've seen even the first one percent of companies created that are going to oh, be no, involved oh, yeah, in that. Yeah, no, no. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's actually one of those things that um, there are points at which you have to mold um, what the entrepreneurial ecosystem wants uh, and and what government can provide or kind of because again we haven't even seen government really go after the the web 3.0 and, and all this kind of stuff. But one of the big things is that basically, I, I, if I look, if I remember correctly, I have to go to Wisconsin to create a DAO to like a, to create a legal DAO, uh, which is decentralized autonomous organization. And like Connecticut, I mean, there's a lot of times where you couldn't have a benefit corporation or a B corp. It wasn't legal sta statute. I mean, we have those in Connecticut now. I mean, tax purposes doesn't mean anything, but you can lock in the social benefit. Um, if Connecticut adopted, you know, we could come here and register a DAO in Connecticut. That 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 would change the game, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and so it's like one of those things where sometimes we have to force those those kind of things through. Um, it's not the it's not the sexy work. It's not the it's not the fun work. Uh, it's just kind of like the boring <laughs> kind of stuff where you just have to start convincing more people. Um, but again, my, my my head's been spinning on on, on DAOs. I was listening to a podcast about it, you know, uh, you know, on the way down here. So it's just it's been my rabbit hole. To, the, to those um, of you at DECD listening to this, yes, and yes, everybody, yeah, and CT next and CI. I don't know if you guys listen to this. You know, I, I assume maybe you do, but let, whatever. You know, let, let's get a <laughs> let's get a working group together uh, just to create policy and just send it off to the governor's office for the creation of DAOs here yes, in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. That'll, yeah. that'll because God knows I don't want uh, anybody to have to go to Wisconsin who doesn't want to. Yeah. Let's stay here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, well, we need a few kind of companies to do that, and then they'll be like, I, w- I would have done it in Connecticut. Yeah. You know, like I had to go somewhere else. You know, can I chip thing. in for your plane ticket so you can so you can make uh, a stink luck, about it? Oh, I, I can just Wisconsin. do it over the phone and get a, a you know like you know it's like one of those dirty tricks. It's like you can get a basically a business anywhere. You don't have to go there and actually you know do stuff. I mean, and get a Delaware corporation pretty easily. Say, everything, yeah. right? <laughs> you can drive to Delaware. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, besides the point, besides the point. So again, the rabbit hole. Um, so anyway, so I guess you know uh, you know uh, we're I'm going to be doing a few more podcasts today with some of the some of the people that you mentioned uh, before. Um, actually, some students that are involved in the um, uh, um, tip program and the uh, startup studio over there. And so um, I guess what's happening in the next few months, this is November, it's gonna, this, this podcast is going to be coming out in November, December. So like what's happening uh, end of this year and kind of going into next year for Stanford Next? Yeah, end of this year, uh, if you, if you kind of hear this in time, there's going to be a, a holiday party for uh, the Tech Hub down here in Stanford focused on uh, data science and data analytics leaders. And we'd love to have you pop by. You sh- you'll be able to find details about that on the uh, the Stanford Partnership website, I believe it's stanfordpartnership.org. Uh, we'll have the calendar on it. Uh, into next year, we have some exciting um, speakers and kind of guests really involved in the data science uh, industry coming up, and, and they'll be speaking to hopefully packed rooms full of people uh, in this exact room that we're in right now here at Half Full's third place. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, and then also, you know, look for us to be rolling out uh, those new projects like Forge in the beginning of next year. So uh, at some point um, when that goes live, uh, if you're a Stanford-based startup, you'll have the ability to work with Forge to find your, you know, your, your supply chain to, to help you get to that commercialization level. And if you're a, a manufacturer here in Connecticut or you work at small scales with small companies, please reach out to them because they're going to be looking to drive business within here, within Connecticut here, so that startups help startups and startups uh, work with established uh, manufacturers so that there's there's real synergies going on and we don't have to go to Kansas or uh, <laughs> or uh, or um, Wisconsin to get done what we need um, you know finally I would say just that we listen to entrepreneurs we uh, all we do all day is try to figure out what it is that people in the startup ecosystem need and how do we put funds behind it and um, and so if you are out there and there's a burning desire that you need, and unfortunately, I don't make seed investments. I don't. I can't invest in individual companies. But if there's something that that you've been bumping up against that's been that's been slowing the progress of your startup down, you know, I wanna I wanna talk to you and figure out what we can create, even if it's out of nothing, to help you with that that roadblock. So I guess on that point is that basically what your organization can fund are like collaborations between entities, right? And yeah. like that stuff that kind of benefit the whole community. So a, a, a collaboration with a Yukon, with a private company, with a startup, right? Yeah. To do some sort of, of event, program, or some sort of, right? Yeah, if, yeah. And, and the way I like to think of it is if the benefits are focused in one company or one or one individual, that's not what we can work with. But Mutually if, if beneficial program. If we're wor- no, if we're working with you know, even if it's a private company, but that, but that what we're funding is going to impact the lives of 100, or even 50, or even 10 entrepreneurs. That that's what we want to do, uh, and that's what we want to be involved in. And you know, the other side is that we we are exactly a one-to-one matching organization. So we we look to multiply investments and money being made, or we look to partner with 
maybe funding organizations or sponsors to, to help make things happen on a on a two x scale of yep. what we could otherwise collaborative provide. funding, not sole funding. Collaborative <laughs> funding, yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, cer certainly, I think that there's there's an unbelievable level of potential for that kind of funding going on here, and and it's incumbent on us in the startup community to to really tap our networks and and our cities to see that you know. We all have ass resources here, and we can all we can all benefit off one another. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, Wes, I, I do very much appreciate you. Uh, uh, or <laughs> I was say going to come down here, but I came up here to to talk with you. I appreciate um, you coming <laughs> yeah, down here. Yeah. Though we should have an entire other podcast about the way that we use the term up and down here in Connecticut. It is interesting because technically down, right? I'm coming down here because I was up north and all that, right? Um, it's it's only two hours. We we can't be thinking about it that big. <laughs> <laughs> coming coming over. Yes, coming come over. By. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll be right over. <laughs> kind of with that. Yeah. Into yeah. Stanford. Uh, yeah. um, but uh, so again, just to reiterate to people, uh, how can they get in touch with Stanford Next, uh, with you, uh, with your organization? Yeah, excellent. Uh, best way to get in touch with Stanford Next, uh, info at stanfordnext.org. Uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm certain that if you find me at any event, you can just knock me over and say, I heard you on the CT Startup podcast. Um, we work really closely with the Stanford Partnership. They are our uh, fiscal uh, and fiduciary partner. And then if you're interested in getting in touch with the Yukon TIP organization, um, there's there's plenty of information on their website and, and they're actively uh, working on bringing in startups here in the state uh, yeah. to, uh, you know, to help them out and, and bring them into the fold. So All right. that's, uh, that's, that's what we're working on down here and we're looking forward to another couple of years of it. Very good. Well, uh, again, it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's not an uh, overnight process, and uh, you're in the middle of it, and you're probably just uh, just going to sleep and on that on that metaphor of the overnight. So, um, all right, cool. Well, Wes, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship, and in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or some people know it, CI an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, in introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.